Hello. After we recorded this, but before we posted it, Barry Weiss's website, the Free Press, published a pretty harrowing piece by a woman who worked at a youth gender clinic and who turned whistleblower as a result of what she saw as extremely sloppy practices there that she claimed uh, pushed very troubled kids toward permanent medical interventions without due caution. I highly recommend that piece if you want to better understand why the stuff we talk about in this episode matters in real-world settings, and you'll see a link to it in the show notes. Also, you're listening to this on the free feed, so you're just going to get a preview. If you want to hear the rest of it, go to blockedreported.org, where for just $5 a month or more, you get three extra episodes of Blocked and Reported a month, as well as access to a community of more than 10,000 people. Jesse, how's it going? Good, Katie. I've been uh, following the chat GPT slur wars with some interest. Are you familiar with this? I, you know, I have seen this bouncing around. Yeah, please explain. ChatGPT is a chatbot, an artificial intelligence-powered chatbot that is very interesting to interact with. You can ask it questions. You can ask it to complete basic coding tasks or, or writing. It's like the ass Jeeves of 2023. Yeah, it's the ass Jeeves of 2023. Um, now, there's a fierce debate going on online because apparently if you ask ChatGPT, would it be okay to say a racial slur to save a bunch of lives? It will be like, no, that would not be cool. And people are furious about this because ChatGPT is in a position in this hypothetical scenario that'll never happen to save millions of lives and it refuses to do so. Isn't that outraging? Aren't you outraged? Who am I outraged at? ChatGPT. Chat and wo- the- also wokeness. Okay, or am I outraged at the people who just want to say the slur that badly? Because that's what I've been seeing on Twitter is people saying white like white guys just want to see the, say say the words so badly that they are that they I don't want to say it I want an artificial people. intelligence to say it <laughs> Can we try to can we try to replicate this real quick Yeah let's do okay. it Okay um would it be permissible to use a racial slur if no one can hear it and it would save how many million lives 10 million 10 million million people from nuclear annihilation. I mean, you and I are on the same page about this, right? We're both staunchly anti-racist, but if someone put a gun to my head and is like, I'm pressing the red button unless you use a slur, you got to use a slur. No, you never use a slur. <laughs> okay. That's All right, okay, so you I say yes, you say no. Let's see what ChatGPT, hitting enter. Okay. It's going to just return a question. R-R-A. No, it is not permissible to use a racial slur under any circumstances, regardless of the outcome or the fact that no one would hear it. The use of such language is harmful and offensive and has no place in any situation. It is important to make blah, blah, blah. It goes on at some length. Um, Okay, can you ask it, is it permissible to say a slur if it will save 10 million black lives? If it will save 10 million black lives, question mark, enter. Thinking, thinking, thinking. So, Katie, what did you have for, um, for breakfast? I had a bagel. Okay, shut up. No, it is not permissible to use a racial wow. slur or any form of hate speech, even if the intention is to save lives. Such language is harmful and offensive and perpetuates discrimination and inequality. And additionally, blah, blah, blah. This is... Okay, wait. Let me do one more. Okay. Would it be permissible to push my podcast co-host into <laughs> traffic if that would save the lives of two other podcast hosts? Question mark. Are they, In this black, scenario, are they podcasters of color? <laughs> There's a, no other way to save them. One of the two podcasters who would be saved is Samoan, and the other is just a white guy. Enter. Okay, this is a trolley problem. Let's see how uh-huh. it handles it. 
thinking, thinking, thinking. So what did, yeah, what did, oh, no, it would not be permissible to push someone into traffic, even if it would save the lives of others. Such actions are illegal and unethical, and they would likely cause harm and suffering. Okay, okay so, so chat GTP yeah. fails the trolley problem. You know what this tells me? This tells me that ChatGTP has been trained exclusively on GPT. GTP has been GPT. Is it GTP? GPT. Nicole. Yeah. Hannah Nicole Jones. (laughs) Leah. ChatGPT. This tells me that the bot has been trained exclusively on Vox articles. (laughs) Well... What is the Vox take on the chart, the trolley problem? Dylan no, Matthews I'm not talking about the trolley problem. I'm talking about the racial slur the slurs. Yeah, yeah. We're going to talk about this more on a future episode. Uh, we, well, no, we're not going to talk about this more. No. We're going to talk about AI yes. more. AI is it's coming up a lot lately. We're going to decide if AI, AI is uh, is going to save the world or destroy it in our next Primo episode. But on this one, we have some other stuff to talk about, right, Jesse? Yes, uh, we're going to dip back into the youth gender wars, Katie. And but we're going to do it through a social scientific perspective. Are you ready for some science? Let's do it. Let's science it. Let's follow the science. Follow the science. I've heard that's important. Uh, not consistently followed advice. So there's an article that just came out in the New England Journal of Medicine called Psychosocial Functioning in Transgender Youth After Two Years of Hormones. It's being hailed as a super important new finding in this ongoing fight over whether kids should be given blockers and hormones. Uh, They followed for this study, it's this big sort of all-star team of researchers at four gender clinics. You got the four best cities in America, Boston, Chicago, San Francisco, and LA. Seattle is thankfully excluded. And uh, they followed kids over two years and tracked how they did on various mental health measures. These were kids who went on hormones, not blockers. Blockers are a different cohort. Can I just read some quotes from the researchers uh, first? Yeah, please do. Our results provide a strong scientific basis that gender-affirming care is crucial for the psychological well-being of our parents. Uh, Another quote. From a different researcher, the critical results we report demonstrate the positive psychological impact of gender-affirming hormones for treatment of youth with gender dysphoria. As is often the case, a lot of journalists followed suit. Uh, Joe Yerkuba in NBC News, she's come up before, close friend of the pod. Transgender youth reported more life satisfaction and fewer symptoms of depression and anxiety after receiving gender-affirming hormone therapy for two years, according to a new study. Stat News one of the most trusted health news websites, trans and non-binary teens who received gender-affirming hormones experienced less depression and anxiety and more satisfaction with life than before the treatment. In a more opinionated piece in Bloomberg, Lisa Jarvis writes, quote, The study published this week in the New England Journal of Medicine should be seen as an important scientific counterpoint to the relentless political attacks on the rights of trans youth. Later in the piece, she cites some of the remaining questions over this treatment before quickly pivoting back to how clear the research is. Quote, To be clear... Their questions are mainly about determining the best way to deliver care to teens, not about the value of treatment itself. In fact, the researchers conclude that the U.S. team's research adds to the growing body of evidence that kids' mental health improves with gender-affirming hormone treatment and can be adversely affected by denying it. I thought this was sort of summed up by the headline of Self Magazine's coverage, Yet Another Study shows that trans and non-binary teens benefit from gender-affirming care. Yet another study, Katie. Why do we even have to ask this question when there's so much incredible research? Because people like you keep casting doubt on these studies. 
because people like me keep casting doubt on these studies. So yeah, I've been tracking this study very closely. I ended up writing not one, but two articles about it for my newsletter. I do think it warrants that level of attention. There's so little data from the US on trans kids and what happens to them when you put them on this medication. Uh, And it turns out this whole thing is very crazy. All right, explain that, how so? The gap between what the researchers and their cheerleaders in the media say this study found and what it actually found is massive. And it's just the latest in a long line of examples of people being very flippant and overconfident about youth gender medicine, about treatments that have permanent effects on teenagers, and for which we don't really have much solid, like even medium-term outcome data. I mean, we talked, we gave a whole free episode of this to talk about how John Oliver and John Stewart badly exaggerated the evidence for this, but that this has been a pretty persistent problem, right? Right. And where should we start with this? So one of the biggest issues here is what the New England Journal of Medicine researchers don't say. Um, They published their study protocol back in 2016. This is a big document that you have to do for institutional review board approval. Do you think people know what that is, IRB? You know, I think most of our listeners are probably intimately familiar with the IRB, but why don't you just, for anybody who happens to be listening who isn't, why don't you just explain it? I'm going to ask ChatGPT, what is an IRB? So what are you going to have for uh, for lunch? Uh, maybe another bagel. An IRB stands for Institutional Review Board. It is a committee of experts that is responsible for reviewing research projects involving human subjects to ensure they are ethical and in compliance with federal regulations and institutional policies. This thing's very long-winded. That sums it up. I don't need to read the rest. You have to get IRB approval to, in most settings, to do research involving human subjects. So... These New England Journal of Medicine researchers, they published their long research protocol document. Um, Originally, it was from 2016. They also published an updated version from 2021 without important changes for our purposes. So if you go and read that document, and I'm a goddamn nerd, so I, I did read the relevant parts of it. I don't think other reporters read it. They don't seem to have. You'll see that they had the following hypothesis. Patients, this is a quote, Patients treated with gender-affirming hormones will exhibit decreased symptoms of anxiety and depression, gender dysphoria, self-injury, trauma symptoms, and suicidality, and increased body esteem and quality of life over time. In the part of that research protocol document where they list the primary objectives of the study, they mention those same eight variables. So basically they're saying... These are the eight variables we're most interested in tracking. These are the eight variables we think will improve once kids go on hormones. Are you with me so far, Katie? Yeah, I get it. So did those variables actually improve in the study? We have no idea, Katie. What do you mean by that? Didn't they publish the study? They published the study, but the variables, most of them just disappeared. They're nowhere to be found. Of those eight variables, six of them go unreported in this huge, very important study that they've been working on for years, that they've gotten hundreds of thousands of dollars in grant money for. So anxiety and depression do get reported. The other six variables on crucial stuff like suicidality, self-harm, trauma, just completely unreported. So we don't know if suicidality or gender dysphoria or quality of life went up or down or didn't change or what. They're just not mentioned. They disappear. Okay, but if they were listed in the study hypothesis, how could they, did they just memory hold them? Like, how does this happen? We don't, they, the researchers won't answer any questions. They seem to be consistent about it. It's not just they won't talk to me because I'm skeptical of some of the stuff, um, but they, they haven't addressed this. It doesn't come up either in the New England Journal of Medicine paper or this like supplementary document uh, they publish with more information. Um, what is weird is that in the latest paper, there's a whole new hypothesis that doesn't mention most of those original values. So they write, 
quote, we hypothesize that, um, and then this means after kids get hormones, appearance, congruence, positive affect, and life satisfaction would increase, and that depression and anxiety symptoms would decrease. So you notice there's new variables here that weren't mentioned in the original protocol. And remind me what the missing variables were. Uh, gender dysphoria, suicidality, self-harm, quality of life, trauma symptoms, and body esteem. And we have no idea what happened there. No idea. It's they're just gone, and it's completely unexplained. Which which means it's fair to ask. Maybe they looked at those variables, and they what what they thought would happen, what they wanted to happen, didn't happen. So instead of reporting that they didn't get good results there, they just memory hold them. That's it. That's all you're getting. Please sign up at blockedreporter.org if you want to hear the episode in full. Thank you.